Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is still, believe it or not, at least for a limited time only, Friday, July 7th, 2017, and we are back for tech support. It's that time. Let me change, let me change this topic text before I get berated here. There we go. That's in. We're locked in. Patch notes, patch notes, patch notes. We've arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have just got back from our, our break. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. Uh, we've got uh, a good list of questions this week, actually. I, I, I was reading them ahead of time. And we actually have a number of uh, pretty solid questions here. Let me just hop on over to that that Patreon page. If you're listening to this on iTunes, you're watching on uh, YouTube... Uh, and you managed to always miss the the sellout times. Uh, this whole podcast is funded by beautiful people like yourselves on patreon.com slash technical alpha. We have 392 absolute beauties ensuring that we can continue to do this on a weekly basis uh, and getting closer and closer, slowly but closer and closer, to expanding our content uh, out into uh, into other fanciful things, uh, and I guess if you needed a little bit of an incentive, if you've ever wanted to see uh, Jeff and I bang our heads against the wall while playing old ass games at the five dollar tier and week. higher, this is true. You, yes, and and there are even two episodes now with with uh, with Panic involved uh, since <laughs> he was here in, in uh, Halifax. So we even got those up. In fact, the first of those went up uh, today, and that was Double Dragon. Uh, at $5 or higher on the Patreon, you get access to that. Uh, and uh, and we put up those videos only for uh, for those patrons. Uh, so get out there, I guess, and join the 202 other people that have access to that content. Uh, let's see what we got for this first question. Though You also look like you have something that you want to say, Pan. Yeah, I was going to say for like all of our... For, I was like, no, it's just more a gesture. Now, I was going to say for all the uh. patrons, um, <laughs> especially because, you know, you know, we have Adam and Jeff doing the sellout all the time. But, you know, it really does help us out. You know, you might think, oh, they're making a ton and they're using his stuff. Adam and Jeff use it to actually live. For me, the money I'm getting off of the podcast, want to use it to go visit these guys so we can get some content from there. But also, I'm using it to get better audio gear so, you know, we have a better quality podcast. So, you know, whatever yeah. support you guys give us helps us out a lot, and we really do appreciate it. I know Adam and Jeff say it all the time, but I felt, you know, maybe I should say it, you know, for what I at least use it for, too. So there you go. That's my sellout spiel. There you, good nice. job, good job. I liked it. I liked it. That was a solid yeah. sellout. I, I, the I appreciate the the, uh, the effort. I appreciate the effort. So, do you have a question that you want to tackle first, there, sir? We've got all sorts of them this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure I'll start it off with a slightly more serious one because it actually was directed mostly to me um, for this particular one. Um, sure, but go it for was it. from Toad of it's from Toad of Steel. Um, question mostly for Panic, but Adam, you can feel free to chime in. Um, in light of yet another derailment at Penn Station, how important do you think it is to invest in public transit <laughs> infrastructure, particularly around large cities? Now, before I get into it, I'm going to say probably the reason why it was more directed at me than you is after visiting Halifax, you I realized live you live in the middle of nowhere. You live in the middle of yes. nowhere. There's no infrastructure yes. anyway. You're, you're in the boonies. You, you no, ride moose to we work. Have a transit, we have a transit, a transit bus, and that's it. Yeah, so, um, like, from my perspective, um, and it's a very, I'm not going to say a political answer, but um, it's a very politically correct one. Um, 
I'm going to say infrastructure is probably one of the most important investments that we can make as a country. Um, it's not sexy, so it doesn't get as much as it should. <laughs> um, in yeah. New York especially, we have infrastructure that's hundreds of years old, as ridiculous as it sounds, and it's still in use and it's still running well, but it needs maintenance. Um, so I know you were expecting some deep, super crazy conversation about your question, Tota Steel, but... Penn Station or not, the derailment there or not, um, I feel like it's always important for us to invest in the infrastructure, and we've been grossly negligent in doing so. Not just in the States. It's almost everywhere, worldwide. Like, you have some countries that are going big on the infrastructure, but most are just kind of letting it kind of decay away. Um, It's all in that whole fiscal conservation mentality where, you know, they're like, oh, we shouldn't be spending money, but they're not really spending it in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, well, what we have right now is working fine. But in reality, they're not really planning for capacity and stuff. Um, to address your Penn Station part of the question, um, it's a problem we've been having in New York and in the area for a long time now. Um, the system's old. Our subway system is ancient. Like everyone says, oh, you know, New York subway system is shitty. It's like, no, it's just really old. It's one of the most <laughs> extensive subway systems in the world. And the fact that we keep it running as, and it runs pretty much all the time. So, you know, it might look shitty, but it works. So I wish they would invest some more to kind of bring it up to speed. And they are, um, for example, you know, this Penn station derailment plus a ton of Amtrak derailments. Um, they're literally closing a major subway line between New York and New Jersey for a couple of months. Like, they're closing it during weekdays, during rush hour, for a couple of months, so they can do a ton of restoration work and, you know, signal and safety work. Um, And you might think, oh, they're only closing one line. Um, This this one closure is causing tens of thousands of people to have to refigure out their commute, work from different offices, and, you know, that's just one line. The New York subway system is, like, 15-something lines. The The Jersey side of things, like four or five lines just connecting to New York, and then it's all over. Like, there's massive systems. So, yeah, this one derailment is just an indication of the problem we've been having. Um, They just need to throw more money at it and more time and effort. But, you know, there's not much else to say on it. Like, how do you feel about that in general? I I feel like that's something you would agree on. Like, it's not like something I think every. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's like fuck, fuck public transit infrastructure. It's just it's not terrible. sexy. Like I don't. It's just not sexy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's just not something that you want. Like that. Yeah, you're right. That it's not. It's not sexy. So, uh, but at the same time, like, you're you're right. It's it's weird. It, it, depending on where you are in the world, and sometimes even depending on where you are in a in in any given country, you'll have places that are almost overspending on infrastructure and they're yeah. just going crazy with it and then you have places that are letting that shit there's a just balance. go and 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 it's weird uh but yeah I, I can't speak about the the whole Penn station thing or whatever but just in, infrastructure wise um the you've got i i kind of feel for them because on one hand it's not like New York is is hurting for money um, at all. It's 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 really not. I mean, if there was going to be a place in the world that could afford to to have public transit be balling out of control, New York is probably on the short list of places that could afford to make it ball out of control. The really difficult part is the fact that so many people, like Panic already said, 
uh, rely on that public transit to get them to and from work every single day in a timely fashion. Uh, the streets of New York are already crammed full of cars, and if you start putting more cars on the road because people can't use their normal tr- you know, form of transportation to get to and from work via subway stations, etc., then that's a nightmare, right? That That's like an absolute nightmare waiting to happen. I would be so, all right if they do enough improvements so that those trains run on time and on schedule. Get, well, yeah, get, get us I, there I think, first. <laughs> I think it's almost like a, a, a thing where they have to decide, are we going to do... Um, Longer term, uh, more extensive rebuilds in, you know, fewer points over the course of history, or are we going to do incremental upgrades and renovations, uh, or maintenance that might seem like there's net, like a, like people say there's, uh, for example, in, in Montreal, one of the jokes is, uh, it's construction season all year round. Like there's, it's, it's a never ending (laughs) construction. Like you think you're, you think, you know. There's been this one uh, piece of highway being, uh, you know, built or redone for the course of the last five years, and it finally gets finished, and you're like, oh, thank God, I can finally get to work and not have to worry about all this bullshit and everything, and then you get 14, like, seconds down the road, and all of a sudden it's the same thing, but just 14 seconds down the road, and you start all over from square one. Um, You know, it feels like it's never-ending, and I think sometimes the city's try to avoid that because all they get is backlash from people going holy shit can we just have a reprieve here please i just want to be able to go to fucking work and so they're balancing they're balancing a budget they're balancing uh the the strain on public transit not just public transit but uh but uh you know individual transit like if you're getting to a car or something whatever has to replace public transit if it's down uh, and then, and, and also deal with the fact that they've got voting people that have to like them to keep them in place that if they just keep having construction, that's pissing them off all the time. It's probably a problem. So, uh, well, I can appreciate where they're one coming of the from. The reason why they're shutting down this specific line is this is also the line that the regional like Amtrak, which is our regional, like longer rail line service runs through. And Amtrak just has a notorious tendency. Their trains just don't want to stay on the tracks. It's like they get on the tracks and then they're like, you know what? No, fuck this. And they just jump the tracks. It's usually mm-hmm. I'll, you'll hear about it four or five times a year. Um, in Connecticut, it happened so badly that that line had to be closed for a very long time because the train derailed and smashed into another one. Um, so, And it's been happening in this tunnel quite a bit where it's been getting derailed. It's one of the subway tunnels that goes across the river. So now they're finally just like, fuck it. We're going to close the whole thing for two to three months. Yeah. And just do it. It'll run over the weekends. Like they're just like, but we just need five days in a row for two months, you know, for weeks in a row just to do the work and just do it across all the tracks and just get it done. And they're like, this will be way less disruption than us like trying to stage them. Cause they have to like kind of stage it in pieces where they're like, Okay, this is what we can do in one night and put back, and you know keep the train line serviceable. Now they're just gonna be like, oh, we can keep this thing down for five days. We can pull out a huge thing, do a bunch of stuff, and make sure it works by the end. So for me personally, I think the, ah, it's messy, but it's interesting. Yeah, I think I now. think I think the scariest thing about about this kind of crap is is especially in dense population centers that keep increasing in population and aren't likely to stop anytime soon is how far behind they're going to be able to get before it becomes an app, like before it becomes almost impossible 
to to bring them back up. Like, well, that's there the has problem to be. You can't. Too. Yeah, you can't just rely on on subways to do all of your work. You can't just rely on buses to do yep. all of your work or or trolley above ground. You you have to. There, there needs to be an, a multifaceted fucking infrastructure because the whole idea is to reduce the number of cars on the road, not to be some hippie Greenpeace shit, but because no, nobody just to make will it travelable anywhere. <laughs> to be able if to move people don't do things. that, and you yeah. have to make it, and you have to make it uh, in such a way. It's super difficult. It's, it's an absolute engineering, you know, nightmare. Is you Civil have to make planning, it work in such planning, a way. Crazy. That people want to use it so that they do use it. It's not necessarily always a case of if they if you build it, they will come. You know, you, you have to make it um you have to make it more appealing than sitting in traffic in your car listening to music and just, you know, being there for four hours of your day every fucking day of the week. Like that's just absolutely it's funny people crazy. will complain about the subway forever, but then when it's not running, they realize how good they have it. Like when a Absolutely. line is down, they realize how good they have it. Because like for me, example for me for example, I, I I take the path train every day now, and I used to take the subway. I used to take Metro North. I I lived on public transit, and for me, I was sitting there, and I'm like, the one time I had to drive into work and find parking and do that, I'm just like, no, I got it pretty good. I, I roll into the station, I park my car, <laughs> I sit in the train for 45 minutes, I walk for five yeah. minutes, and I take the subway for 20 minutes. I'm like. Honestly, that's way less hassle than driving for an hour and then trying to find parking, <laughs> like paying 50 bucks. Absolutely. I'm like, absolutely. Solid. <laughs> the, uh, so here in Halifax, you know, totally, these are two totally different universes. Halifax is like a city block of, of New York, but. How many uh, mooses per Halifax, square kilometer? <laughs> how many what? Or how many mooses or meese per square kilometer? Oh, how many, how many, how many meeses per square kilometer? Too many. Uh, no, uh, Halifax's thing is that obviously it's an extraordinarily old city like this. It's, um, I mean, Canada, when Canada was formed, it started on the East coast and Halifax was one of the first. Um, and so it's been around since the dawn of, 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 you know, this entire fucking North America, essentially. Uh, and Everything is a fucking horse path or, or, or like a, a, a cow cart path thing. It, it's basically been around for so long. And they built the city around that and they never took down a fucking building. So they just kept saying, well, you know, we have cars now. We'll just make this road barely wide enough for two cars to fucking get past each other without scraping the paint off each other and call it a day. And so downtown Halifax is an absolute nightmare. We also, it's, it's. They have to change every so many years which roads you can drive in which directions and which ones become one ways and which ones become two way, but only at certain certain times of the day. And it's just become this like convoluted clusterfuck. And then when you were here, you also saw our, uh, you know, supposed to be roundabouts that aren't actually roundabouts or just bastardized. <laughs> talking circles. about that. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. So our problem is, while the city isn't absolutely huge, it's big enough that the infrastructure that uh, that is in place, that's been in place for a couple hundred years, is uh, is not suitable. Uh, it's just not. It's just not suitable. And so there have been continuous discussions as to how they were going to improve it because uh, Halifax, as a city, is growing, not at some sort of crazy uh, crazy pace. But we're so far behind infrastructure-wise that if we don't start now, we're going to be absolutely wrecked um, if, if we don't get uh, ahead of it. So there have been discussions about 
um, subway or above ground train type shit starting to be uh, considered for Halifax. Uh, Halifax to- would probably do really well for just, a, you know, it doesn't even need like a subway, for example. It just even a light rail system would be solid. Exactly. Like, um, part run of the that problem alongside some of the roads. You got plenty of space for it. That that rotary that that we drove around is uh, one of like three major choke points in Halifax. That's the bigger problem is that all traffic goes through like only a couple of different points where everything it, converges. It, I mean, actually, and, no, and so, for Halifax, that would suck having light rail above ground because like the amount of snow, you'd have to clear that off all the time. Well, yeah, there would have to be there would have to be some yeah. some obvious obviously something for it. But Actually, the no, you just stick a uh, plow on the train, you're good to go. That that too. <laughs> but the you know the the problem is the choke points, and so yeah. the idea is at the very least relieve the choke points. So if we start putting stuff across the water or under the water or whatever we need to do to make it happen, um, we need to start thinking about it now. But the problem is, of course, we're not balling out of control. Uh, in fact, we have horrible budgetary issues here in this province and so infrastructure gets left in the dust like crazy um it's not sexy uh, it's not sexy and even if it was sexy we don't really have the money for it anyway so our we have a metro transit here right it's only a bus line that's our only form other than like ubers or whatever else that's all we have is a bus line and it it's been overhauled and done better over the years but it can't be the only thing that uh, that's relied upon, especially because, again, due to those choke points, they don't just exist for any particular reason. The density in those areas for people that are living outside the city coming into work is huge. Really and so you can only have so many buses on a singular line fucking running at all times. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess my view on it is get ahead of it if you can and you can afford it. Um, if I was in charge... You know, you have to you have to almost campaign to make it sexy so that you can say, look... We Maybe have to suck it from up. The yeah, we have to suck it the fuck up for a period of time so that we can put the stuff in place. Otherwise, if you think it's bad now, it's going to get orders of magnitude worse. Like just band aid, take it off quick, get it over with, and and move the fuck on. Speaking of moving the fuck on, let's get another get question. Us up with going question, here. Adam. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get this question. Uh, let's get away from public transit and into something else. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, oh, there were so many good ones. I'm trying to see, I'm trying to get a good follow up to that one. That's a little bit more of a different, a different tone. Uh, here you go. Uh, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's go with this one. Uh, what skill would you like to master? That comes in from, uh, from Matt's. Bjornstad is how I'm going to pronounce that Bjork. last name. Matt's Bjork. Bjork, Bjork, Bjork. Thank you, Matt's. What skill would you like to master? Something that you haven't, but maybe you've always wanted to master. Um, I really just want a wood shop. I want to be able to make things out of wood, MDF, whatever. It's been one of those things that I said, if I ever don't have to work, um, get a garage space, get a workshop, and just, I want to make shit. Be it woodworking or metalworking or both, put them together. I want to make stuff with my hands. Because, like, I look at something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can make that. It's just I don't have time. You know, I, I've used power mm. tools before. I've built stuff. You know, I have some skill. You know, like, I won't chop a limb off, I think. Yes. But um, 
I would like to be able to just do that and spend time on it. So it's uh, someone in That's, someone in chat says you want to hold a lot of wood with your hands. Got it. I mean, you know, but, sometimes yeah. you just gotta. No, I agree. Yeah, I, no, I, I actually like, agree. That's that's my thing too. Yeah, you know, like I want to build a new desk. I want to be able to do that myself. I want to like you know build cabinetry myself. I want to just build random stuff. Like there are things I want to do, mm-hmm. and I'm just like I could build that if I had time. I just so my, my, my thing is uh, my thing is I grew up. You know, my dad my dad does all of that shit, right? So, um. You know, he can, he can, I mean, he built his first house. Like they did every, the only thing, the only reason that he didn't, they didn't do like plumbing and electric in depth is because you have to have Licensing a licensed person, stuff. you know, uh, he could technically do it, but he doesn't have the license behind it. So, uh, I watched dad doing all this stuff and I, he imparted as much onto me as he could, but I mean, I don't spend more than a handful of days in any given year, you know, with him doing that stuff because you just, like you, you just don't have time and it's not always necessary. You know, most of it was work done on his uh, homestead, you know, my grandmother's place because the house is 170 years old. And so you constantly have a list of shit that needs to be done around a house that's 170 years old. And so you'd constantly be doing that kind of stuff. And it's always been super interesting, and I it's it's always annoyed me that I've uh, that I've had you know dad there, but I haven't been able to utilize that fully and actually sit down and learn more, uh, you know, uh, you know, while he's around to teach me this shit because I might be able to, you know, and he he but he looks at me the same way. He goes, yeah, well, I mean, I can do all this stuff, but you know, you build you build computers and you know how to deal with all this you know tech shit, and he and he put it. <laughs> He put it relatively well. I mean, honestly, is he when he grew up and it was a, a farmhouse and and it and and his dad did absolutely everything by hand. Um, uh, he, you know, it was just something that you did. And right now, with the amount of time everybody has in the world that we live in, uh, everybody is super hyper specialized. And if you and if you mm-hmm. don't have time for it, you pay somebody who is specialized in it to do it for you. Um, but it is kind of unfortunate because some of those skills, you, you know, are, are just nice to have to be able to do yourself because you want to be able to do more for yourself, yeah. but you can't always do it because of time. So I, I agree. I would absolutely love, um, to be able to do stuff, um, uh, you know, woodworking and, and things of that by hand. And like you, I can do some, some things. I'm definitely not going to cut off a hand. I can keep my house from, you know, exploding. I can do all that shit. But I can't, like, if dad said, here, go build a house like he did, fuck no. I'd be, that house would be falling over in two seconds. There wouldn't be anything done properly. Uh, it would be a complete mess. So that would, you know, and, and that's something that if I won the lottery tomorrow, that would be the first thing I did. I would just, I, I would, I would go and buy I'd property and nice I'd be like, dad. And then I'd say, no, it wouldn't be a workshop. I'd build a, I'd oh, buy a property house and first. say, dad. I say, Dad, let's go build a fucking house, and he'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" And we just go build a house. So that's you know that's what what I would do. So uh, no, I, well, I the first I thing you do is build that. a workshop so you can build the house. Yes, absolutely, hundred and ten percent. It's it's it's, and I feel like it's a skill that you know we're kind of losing. Like everyone's just like, "Oh, I can pay someone else to do it," but it's just like at the same time, it's just like there is there is that satisfaction of you know grabbing that piece of wood in your hands. And then shaping mm-hmm. it, and then building something you know solid that you can use. 
Absolutely. My dad used to do build stuff, you know, when I was younger. I um, mean, it's just one of those things that I remember. And, you know, I built some mm-hmm. stuff in college. And it's like, it's always been one of those things that I've always gotten great satisfaction. Even if the stuff came out like shit, I'm like, no, I made this. You know, I hung, I, you know, I hung the shield up on the wall, you know, and, you know, I'm proud of that because I did it properly. <laughs> you know, I checked the weight yeah. loads. It's balanced properly. It's in a stud. You know, a lot of people my age, in my generation, they don't know how to do that. Like those infomercials like, are totally factual. You like, watch somebody trying yeah. to put a nail into a stud and they put a hammer through a wall. Like the shit's so yeah. They're just like bad. they're just like they're just like oh no. You just, and one guy's like, why don't you just stick a nail in the wall and put some wire on the back of the shield and hang it? I'm like, the thing yeah. weighs like 14 pounds. It probably tears part of the drywall. Yeah. Out if I used just na- so you know, it's definitely, like, it's it's those skills that I feel like we should be kind of preserving at the same time. Shall we pop on to the next question? I think so. You can you can pick up that next one. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's go with uh, let's go with a little bit more of a uh, fictional side of things. Okay. From Soft shoe. What mythology is your favorite, and what deity or divinish mm. creature or character from that mythology would you be? Oh, what the fuck? Uh, you got the Roman, you got the Greek, you got the Norse, you got the Indian, you got you got all sorts. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a mythology guy. I don't really, really. I, I, I'm not. I never really got into it enough to, um to really be able to answer this accurately. I mean, I appreciate them all for their different things because they all have, I mean, there are some that, that kind of get mixed up. They're pretty, they're so damn similar that you could almost mistake them for one another. Uh, but some of them are, are pretty wildly different and out there for sure. Um, I, I think, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I think I, I have, uh, uh, I, I enjoy, um, Norse mythology, probably the most. Um, I don't know. It just seems it just seems more it just seems more rooted in not not necessarily rooted in reality so much. I guess it does kind of to me in some weird and wonderful way, but it just seems <laughs> more visceral. Uh, it, it just seems more natural uh, than some of the other stuff. I mean, all mythologies have some pretty crazy out there nonsense for sure. Um, but there's just something about, about the, you know, the, the Norse mythology that's, that's slightly less batshit to me for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, so I think I'd, I'd go with that. Now, as for what I would be in that, I don't, I'd not a damn clue, but, uh, but I think that's probably, I'll let, I'll let, I'll let the comment you section decide what in Norse, yeah, what in Norse mythology I would end up being. I'll let I'll let uh, the YouTube comments and and chat decide what what I fall into in that category. But what about you? Um, from an elegance point of view, I would go with Egyptian. But from my personal favorite, to answer the question directly, I'm actually going to go with Norse as well. Um, okay. Again, it it everything had its purpose. Everything wasn't like completely outlandish, even though it kind of was at the same time. Um, but. It, it, it just for the same reason you said it's kind of visceral. It's got you know it's got its purpose. It has its form, and it's like you know it's 
pretty well documented and defined as well um, mm-hmm. compared to a lot of mythologies. Um, personally, I always kind of empathize with like Imdal. He's the um, he's pretty much the gatekeeper, you know, and all of that. So okay, that was the character. Actually, all of my and that's actually a funny side thing. All of my um, computer hardware is named after Norse um, Norse items, like my uh, my NAS box is called Munin, which is like storage and archives. Uh, my PC is now named Molnir, but the one before it was called the Asir. So, and the one before that was called um, Titan, and pretty much the Asir slew the Titans and all that fun stuff. So, like, I kind of like name all of my little things based on different Norse items. I've got a couple others floating around. So that's my little Norse stuff. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. I, I just yeah. I just always thought that the Norse stuff was was just. I don't know. It just seemed slightly less less crazy. Less crazy. Uh, here's here's one that's that's here's a troll. Here's here's a fucking troll one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it anyway because it's Gounzen. Go with it. It's freaking Gounzen. Is the Riemann hypothesis correct? Do you know what this is? Um, no. I'm gonna Google <laughs> it right now. Because um, okay. I, I know Riemann from math, but I don't know what this hypothesis is. And I so here's here's the here's why I, I'm I'm gonna humor this. The uh, and this ties in. I'm gonna tie this into another um, another question. And the other question was uh, from Sir Holmes, who said, "You guys have talked about content creation and content creators many times." We heard Jeff talk about one of his favorite content creators on YouTube with MMA stuff. He's probably regarding uh, Joe Rogan and, and a couple of other guys he's talked about. Who are your favorite digital content creators, meaning blogs, podcasts, YouTube, streamers, etc., and why? So th- I'm going to tie these two things together because when when I read this question from Gounzen about the Riemann hypothesis, the first thing I thought of uh, was... Uh, where to go to learn more about it? I I've heard about it before, but I didn't know everything about it. The first thing I did I was I went to one of no fuck Wikipedia. I went to my one of my favorite YouTube channels, and it's called Number File. Uh, and it is a <laughs> you, if you would ever like something called get, Number File, dude. If you want to get lost on the internet for like five straight hours and watch some of the best shit you've ever seen. Uh, as do, far as do numbers like make you hot. And, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, then okay. you should definitely check out. I, I urge anyone, even if you don't think you're into math, uh, cause the, the people that they have talking about all this stuff, they're mostly professors, but they're not just like the, your everyday professors. The vast majority of them are unbelievably good at describing everything and making it sound interesting and fun and the Riemann hypothesis is just is just some some crazy some crazy shit but it's essentially uh there's a there's a function uh that exists and uh it's they're they're trying to figure out this is actually one of uh to my knowledge one of the i think they're called the millennial uh prize the millennial questions where they had the seven um, seven mathematical issues that if you solved one of them, there was a fund put together basically where if you solved them or proved them, I should say, either in some cases if they need to be proved positive in, or or in the positive disproven, or the you won a, yeah. a million dollars. 
So one of those seven has already been tackled. This is one of them that hasn't been done yet, but Raymond uh, proposed that in this function uh, where they're trying to find out when the function equals to zero, that all of the all of the uh, numbers that would result in the function giving you zero falls on the one half, like a 0.5 on, on, on the scale. Anything... Uh, anything beyond that is no good. And any, um, and I think it was like any positive integer or some crazy shit. It was between, um, one or less than one. One itself is a number that doesn't even work within the function period. You can't plug one in and just fucks up. So you can't use it. So everything beyond that's fine. Everything before that, whatever. But he proposed that everything that would create, uh, a zero has to fall on that one half line. And uh, they have, they've run, I think, computer uh, simulations on this, and they've got a huge list of numbers, all of them falling on that line, but nobody has found one that doesn't fall on that line. So essentially, if you find one that doesn't fall on that line, million dollars. Uh, so the, the question being, is Riemann correct? I mean, fuck me, if I knew, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> I am not good at math. You know, you might not believe that, but um the reason my GPA was not as high as it could be is because math exists as a subject, which should terrify people because I also do a lot of, you know, financial software, but I get the computer to do it for me. That's 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 the trick. So, to answer your question, Goenson, if my computer tells me this hypothesis is correct, thumbs up. If it tells me it's not or doesn't know, I'm going to be like, well, shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Not a clue. Not a clue, but but watching that video was super entertaining to me because uh, it just... Because it involves this, this whole thing where, you know, imaginary numbers are, are still a thing that not everybody likes to talk about because they're like, well, fuck, they're imaginary and why would you even bother with it? And you can't really do much with them. But if you attach an imaginary number to a to an actual, you know real number then you can do things with them anyway the video is fantastic uh lots of lots of fun stuff on that channel so that's the tie-in to that is number file is one of my favorite content creators um i also enjoy um my favorite podcast is everybody already knows is the giant bomb cast uh from jeff gerstman and and brad shoemaker and Vinny caravella and and rip uh ryan davis um, so on and so forth. Uh, there, that's my favorite podcast. I don't get to listen to it pretty much ever anymore, but, uh, anytime I do, I, it's fantastic. Um, I also occasionally like to watch car related stuff on YouTube, like reviews of, of cars. I don't yeah. need to re I don't need to watch. I don't, I'm not, I'm not looking for like car reviews of $250,000 beasts. Uh, I just like to sometimes see people do honest, good reviews of normal ass cars. And one of my, uh, one of my the top Dodge guys that is commercial. a Canadian, is a Canadian, and he's called uh, the channel's called Savage Geese, and he does amazing cinematography. Um, another channel that's Canadian as well is Hardware Canucks, and Dimitri also has some of the best cinematography for uh, for computer anything cases is where he started doing most of his reviews were computer case reviews and he's spun out into other things as well 
but Hardware Canucks for case reviews is is pretty much unmatched. It's the only place I go for my case reviews now. And if you notice, there's a there's a theme here. A lot of this is review related. Uh, the last one uh, in the reviews segment that I'll mention is Rocket Jump Ninja, who does mice reviews. Uh, and there is basically nobody that does mice reviews better than he does by a long shot. He is a old hand at Quake, and he's been playing it for 20 years. Uh, you can imagine he's not half bad at Quake. Uh, and when you play Quake at a high level, you need to have a mouse, and you need to know what you need in a mouse. Uh, and so he's spun that into a channel that's unbelievably good, and you should definitely check him out if you want to know what mice are worth buying and what mice aren't. Uh, and then I guess if it was a non-review thing... I will also get lost in watching videos about um, cats, theoretical physics and stuff. Uh, Michio Kaku <laughs> is one of my favorite guys, uh, so I'll watch a lot of stuff with him, things of that nature. Um, but uh, I'm a big documentary guy, so that's that's another another deal. I really don't take in a lot of like Twitch streamers. Um, yeah, I, I don't watch I don't a lot either. of streamers. When um, I do, I find myself watching more and more. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, I, I've been watching, um, when I do watch stuff, if it isn't one of my friends streaming or, or something, I'll watch uh, Dr. Disrespect. I just, I can't. He's hilarious. I love the, I fucking hilarious. love that guy. I think he's the best streamer on the entire website, hands down. I think he's got it. He does, he does that shtick so fucking well, and everything Gillette. on that channel is... Oh, Gillette, the best a man can get, and, the, and the, everything is just it. so perfect. It's so perfect. It's just so ridiculous. So, uh, it just like gets me out of reality for a bit, which is why I love it. Slick, the Slick Daddy Club is one of the greatest fucking names, and he's he's a champion of everything. Two times, sorry, two time champion of everything. It's just fucking perfect. Yeah. He's like a, he would have made he would have made a he's an the perfect absolutely American. perfect late eighties, early nineties wrestler. Like he took. The way I see Dr. Disrespect is he spun like old 80s, 90s wrestling sticks <laughs> into a Twitch stream idea and is fucking killing it. And I love it. So yeah. that's, that's you know, I'm sure everybody yeah, listening has probably already heard of Dr. Disrespect. So that's that's mine. What if about you haven't, you? go watch him. He's hilarious. Um, yeah. Again, I don't, I don't err towards the Twitch streamers too much. Again, I've spent so much time on Twitch. It's just... I'm jaded at this point, so I'm not going to name any too many streamers. <laughs> um, I do. I have picked up watching a lot of art streams now on Twitch because I see some really cool stuff there. Um, Tony Moy is actually one of my. He's actually in chat now, but um, he does really cool mm -hmm. watercolor work. I actually met him at a convention before he. I even knew he was on Twitch or anything. Um, but I just really like watching. Yeah, I, I love watching artists actually work on Twitch because you get to see the entire process. Um, and especially if they're like engaging and like talking while they're doing it. Um, for me, mm. it's like living vicariously through the artist. Art is one of those things that I never got to pick up when I was younger. I was mm -hmm. always like engineering, math, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a whatever. So I didn't really have time to develop those skills. Um, and I don't really have time now cause I have so many other things going on. So like, I like to watch it though. And I love the creative process. So like Tony, one of, is one of those artists that I love watching. Um, just because you, it's, insane watercolor which you don't really see on twitch everyone's doing kind of digital painting or other painting you don't see too many watercolorists which is you know it's nice to see um in terms of content that i consume on a regular basis though um a lot of it's on youtube um i like learning things i don't necessarily just watch random. i watch a lot of random videos and music videos whatever but content wise i'm gonna yeah. say 
Number one is Frono's photo. It's uh, Jared Poland. He's a photographer. Yes. He does a lot of informational videos. He also has series and stuff. Um, and Phil Steele. Those two guys are how I learned photography. Um, I watched mm. their videos. I, know I went Phil out Steele. and tried stuff out. Yeah. Um, they've got tons of like classes and seminars. I've actually bought their content also, and it is phenomenal. I have like improved my photography game so much from those two guys. Hell, even Adorama TV. Adorama is a store in New York where you can buy camera gear, but the best way they got for like selling stuff is um, straight up. They have videos where they like they'll show off products, but at the same time they'll be like, "Hey, this is how you do cool stuff with cameras. This is how you do portraits and stuff." Um, I've watched hundreds of hours on photography, um, so like those guys are some of my go tos. Um, I also watch like and. In terms of YouTube, um, I learned I, I learned pretty much a lot of my computer skills, not like how to build computers and whatnot. You know, I'll watch Linus and all that for just, you know, random information. But um, mm-hmm. Premiere, After Effects, all that stuff, I go to YouTube. Um, if I need to go crazy and, like, get something, I'll watch a bunch of YouTube videos, try it myself. And then if I need to, I'll go and find someone, like, who's done, like, and they're, like, seminar-type videos, and I'll get those, mm. too. But... Like all the stuff I've learned about audio, all the stuff like that we you know we're exercising here, you know, I've learned from YouTube, I've learned from reading online from that, but YouTube is like the number one go to for me for that. Um other than that, I mean I don't really I don't read too many blogs. I do Ars Technica a lot, and that's one of my kind of general news sites that I go to to get information. Ours um, is pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I like ours because they don't go over the top too much on anything. They do have a slant. But you generally get the facts. It's solid. Um, I used to be huge on Anon Tech, but they've kind of gone downhill since Anon kind of moved on to do other things. Um, yeah. Creative side of things on YouTube, um, one of my favorite channels is actually Hobbylink TV. Um, they do Gunpla TV, which is Gundam modeling. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, um, it's not lit up, but I have Gundam models there, and I have a bunch that I still need to build. But it's one of those things that, you know, Getting to use my hands to build things. It's what I do. Yeah, of um, course. So I consume all of that content through YouTube also. So it's solid. Um I don't I don't think I do much else. Most of my other stuff is either reading books or articles from like newspapers and stuff. So I'm still kind of in that old guard of media consumption. Nothing wrong with books. that. I mean, a lot, like, yeah, I mean, YouTube, it's gotten harder and harder to find people that aren't like sort of bought out in some way. Um, it's gotten, it's gotten better in that everybody legally has to state when they are, uh, you know, doing an ad of some kind, which has been a big help on YouTube because it was running a little too rampant for a while. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I'll still do things like read consumer reports, which is just a in print. I mean, you could go to the website and shit, but I'll still use consumer reports. And uh, if I need to get more information on, on products and stuff I'm looking into purchasing, um yeah no i, I agree water sound- is really good too they do have they have a lot of content out for their audio stuff um this is true I've Sweetwater their, has expanded i've gone there that. recently so they're they're super solid so again these are not mm-hmm. sellout things these are like things that we've had to learn about so we've had to go to places where we're like everyone yeah. says they're reliable so and we have i'll, uh, wrong, I'll so. also also I'll do one i'll do one sh- one more shout out for audio related stuff if you guys are big on on audio stuff uh specifically microphones for voiceover work and and anything like that um booth junkie is a small oh, YouTuber. Yeah, those guys are great those guys are great uh it's one it's great. one dude 
Wait, Booth Junkie? Oh, that's a different So you're, you're probably thinking of some, some, other, some other channel, but uh, Booth Junkie is a guy who does, he does uh, voiceover work. He's a, he's a uh, freelancer type deal. He contracts himself out uh, for various things. He's got a fantastic voice. He, do, he has everything on the channel from building your own uh, low-cost uh, low sound booth at home uh, to a whole slew of uh, mic reviews, and he's starting to branch out into uh, into some interface reviews as well. And uh, he does a he does a really good job of doing like side by sides, like mic side by sides on YouTube done properly are really hard to be are really hard to find because people don't take into consideration um, the what YouTube you does know, the, the audio. The, yeah, what YouTube does to the audio, but also just the difference in power two mics need and everything else to sound, you know, as they should. Oh, does he like um, multimeter that shit before he does it? Make sure everything. Well, like he's, he does what he like did. for just as an just as an example, like he's he had a video where he was matching or not matching, but he was comparing uh, the an, an SM7B with another mic, and obviously the SM7B needs a hell of a lot more to meet the same level That's of volume high as, as mic. another mic. Yeah, so you know things like that can be hard to 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 come by, and he he's doing a, a really great job of it and easy to listen to. So there's another one. Uh, yeah. What what uh, what do we got for another question? I think you're up, sir. What do you got? Oh, I am up. All right, let's see what we got. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little ridiculous. Um, who would win in a fight, Adam? This is from Dean Eves, by the way. Dean Eves, I don't know. Um, I will get your name right eventually. But who would okay. win in a fight, Adam? 50 blind clowns with laser eyes or 50 unoiled robots with buzz sauce for hands? I feel like laser eyes... Well, I mean, there's a couple things you have to take into consideration here, okay? There is a the high are the robots percentage reflective? chance... I think the high percentage chance that the clowns accidentally start killing each other because they're blind. So huh. there's a there's a, a there's a good friendly fire opportunity to be had there, uh, because other than that, the unoiled robots, other than being super loud and more easily than distinguishable by the blind clowns, are also really slow hands. to move. Yeah, but they were super slow to move. So, uh, I'm going to go with as a betting man. I'm going to go with the the blind clowns because despite the fact that they might kill each other off a bit. Uh, the, the robots need to be within melee range for that shit, and they are slow and rusty and loud, and those blind clowns are gonna be, you know, fuck them up. I think, I think the clowns take it. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I think it might be pretty even. It all depends, it depends on if the robots are, like, kind of mirror finish or not, and how badly rusted they are. Like, if they're able to move, like, not completely, like, whatever and they're able to actually move i think the robots could close the distance and in melee combat those buzz saws will tear those clowns apart man but i mean how how fast well, is the blind shit. clown going to actually move how fast do you need to move if you have laser eyes you got the range bro yeah but where are they going to know i mean they're going to have to kind of guess based on where the robots are well, that's what that's well. I mean, they're they're not oiled. I mean, you're gonna hear that shit. You're gonna fucking yeah, they move true. one inch. You're gonna hear that shit. That's you know, you never know. Right, fair enough. But I, again, the clowns are probably gonna kill each other off. Yeah. <laughs> for those same like for like the a same problems. Anchorman news team fight right there. That is. That is. Rick, where did you get uh, laser eyes? Where's your? 
Don't question it. Here's here's one. This is a longer one, but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll go in on it. We've 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 kind of touched bits and pieces on this in the past, but we'll we'll give her a more more of a go here. What is your general life philosophy? How is this Ooh, reflected this in your one. personality and attitude? And how has it shaped the decisions you have made in your life in the past and in the future? Here's mine, for example, in case you're not sure what I mean. I feel that you should have some plan for the future, but due to an unpredictable nature of life and uh, and the amount of shit that can, it can throw at you, you should be able to go with the flow and know when to say fuck it and just go with it and enjoy, and enjoy life. Because of that, I don't overly micromanage every aspect of my life and my future, and am much more open to new ideas and being spontaneous than my than my peers, just so that I can have these new experiences and see where it takes me. So I'll I'll leave that up to you. So just to recap the the short ver- version of that, the actual question is: What is your general life philosophy, and how is it reflected in your personality and attitude, and how has it shaped the decisions you have made in your life in the past and future? Ooh, that's a, that's a, I wouldn't even say that's loaded. That's just a really heavy question, you know, especially like, um, for me personally, um, and this one gets kind of personal for me again. Um, I've had some stuff happen throughout the course of my life. That's kind of really changed my outlook over the past couple of years. And I've had some, had some stuff happen really recently, like past couple of months that had me kind of reevaluate everything again. Um, for me, I, I am a very, and I'm going to kind of, handle this the other way around i'm going to go with um what reflects in my personality and my attitude um okay i'm usually i'm usually not like i'm not like a super upbeat person or a super downbeat person i'm usually very neutral um i'm very logical rational and reason and i run i i I run that and you know as you can tell from the podcast i'm not usually like super emotive or super you know, excitable compared to say Adam or Jeff on different topics. You know, I kind of mm. run, I, I walk the middle line. Um, and that's my personality is just very like matter of fact and middle of the line. Um, and for me, partially that's because um, I'm an information gatherer. Um, I'm pretty much absorbing information from anything I do all the time. I literally have like four monitors in front of me here, four monitors at work. I have articles up all the time. Um, I listen to music, I'm reading, um, you know, crazy amounts of information. And then from that, I put patterns together. I weave everything together in kind of crazy weird ways and, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that shapes my worldview based on that. So my philosophy is always like, it is passive in the sense I'm like, I will make decisions and I will go forward on the basis of the information that I have in front of me. Um, and that's kind of how I've, I've been doing things, um, for the past, you know, 10 or so odd years. Um, and even before that, I was always kind of analytical. Um, I'm not really a spontaneous person. I plan things and, you know, for the most part stuff has gone to plan for me. Um, because again, I, I'm not one that will dive right in immediately. I will sit back, get the information and then make an informed, you know, step forward into it. Um, that's changed. Um, you know, I've had some stuff happen, you know, say 10 years ago, I had a you know, major event happen that changed really how I thought about things. And for me, that mm-hmm. was like a big step back in becoming very passive. Um, that manifested mm. in me, you know, not being as outgoing, not being as lively. It was much more reserved and quiet. Um, and I, you know, I, I put my, in, that manifested as me putting my head down and powering through. I was really good at work. I did a really good job. I made a lot of money. You know, I bought my apartment, you know, I'm, 
also, you know, and I kind of set up where I'm at now. Then a couple of years ago, I made the decision, you know what? You know, I do kind of want to be more outgoing. And that's when I, you know, met all of you guys. And, you know, I started doing more stuff and, you know, being more outgoing, you know, in the Twitch community, in the esports community, in the gaming community. I kind of started putting myself out there more. So from that perspective, mm. you know, that manifested in my personality. And I'm going to ask you what you think of my personality kind of based on all the years, you know, just like. Right. Everyone has kind of come to me like, oh, yeah, you're that super knowledgeable guy. You get a lot of stuff done. You know what to do, when to do it type of thing. And that's kind of been my reputation, um, you know, as being that knowledgeable person um, for me. Um, well, that's, and like, again, that's not your personality. That would be like your, you know, putting you in I'm a box, like, I guess. What, what I'm like super approachable you. and generally nice guy, even though like I'm sarcastic or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard to kind of gauge, like, the outside perception. Um, and then again, a couple of months ago, um, and I'm sure as many of you probably seen, you know, I've gone through a really rough patch over the past couple of months, you know, depression, a couple other things um, based on what's happened. Um, but that's manifested in my personality. And again, I'm a lot more reserved. You know, I'm not as outgoing. I'm not going to as many events. I'm not picking up as many hobbies. Um, you know, I'm much more focused on, you know, head down, get my stuff done, you know, doing that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm, and for me personally, all of that kind of determines on if I'm having like a positive slant or a negative slant, never really mm. like super far in either direction. So like for me personally, I feel like I'm in a negative slant at the moment, which I feel is accurate, you know, and working out how to get it back to a positive slant. So my philosophy is always about not necessarily having everything being super positive or super negative. It's always just finding that middle line and, you know, walking along it it's kind of weird and roundabout yeah. but i don't know if that no, makes I, sense I, to I, <laughs> no it makes it makes sense i mean i i i mean i've known you now for what we're going on seven years now over seven years six seven years yeah so um yeah i mean i i think you've i think uh, obviously you, you know yourself relatively well i think uh, I, I see you differently than probably most people do, uh, yes. probably just based on, on our relationship. So it's a little different, but yeah, I think you've, I think you've, you've got it kind of nailed down. I think to play psychiatrist, to play psychiatrist live and on the, on the air, uh, you've, uh, you're, you're definitely, it's funny to watch cause you're, you're. You, what you just described, basically, you you started at one point, then something happened, and then you worked yourself into a totally different personality, and yes. now you're in some now you're in now you're in some retroactive attempt at getting back to where you were beforehand. I'm um, fixing yes, so you 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 started here, you went over here, and now you're trying to like meet back at the same level, but in a different point over here somewhere. I, again, I don't want to get uh, and, like and too super personal on a podcast that's going out no, like fifteen thousand but that's, people. But that's what so it I'm is. just like, it's like I kind of become like a personality chameleon depending on different points and what needs to happen. I guess. Yeah, there, and there's lots of people like that. I mean, I'm 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 similar. I, yeah. I'm a chameleon in in social situations. You know, I'll just walk into a room and then just fucking whatever. I I can I can stand and talk with any group and and it's just whatever. I'm not I'm not yeah. you know you, I don't go to one particular place. So. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think that's all pretty, uh, pretty on, on the nose. My life philosophy, yes, I have, I have several, <laughs> several. I have several, but I'll stick, I'll stick to a, a, a couple. Um, I've, I mentioned this, I've mentioned this in past podcasts. One of my the philosophies in life. 
the Nova Testament, uh, one of my philosophies in life is so long as you're not hurting anyone else around you, physically or otherwise, you do you, boo-boo. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean physical only. That doesn't mean, you know, you get to get away with, with being an asshole verbally. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't change. It also doesn't mean, um, you know, that you can technically be hurting yourself doing something like you're doing self-harm because that's also going to affect the people around you, you know, your, your family, your friends, um, you know, the people that care about you, that's going to affect them. So there are limits to everything. However, that's a, that's a good general one for me is, is, you know, if you're not, if you're not hurting anyone else, you know, you, you know, go nuts. And that, that's just kind of like the philosophy for things like same sex marriage, uh, you know, you know, you know, smoke fucking weed on a daily basis. I don't really give a damn. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, but then in the same vein, if you went and said, all right, I smoke cigarettes, but I also have children. I'm not even concerned necessarily, uh, only about secondhand smoke. But the fact of the matter is that you're putting yourself at an absolutely huge risk when you have children in the world now. So that I just find that to be horribly irresponsible. So the, the, it might seem, it might seem like one of the philosophies that people have these days where it's like, uh, I'm going to do me. And if you don't like me, you don't have to. So fuck you. Like, which is one of the most dangerous. I don't like the fuck you part have. of that. Yeah. I don't like yeah, that. Fuck like you part of it. it's, 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 and it's, and it's becoming more prevalent. It's like this thing where it's like, yeah, I'm going to, it's like, it's in vogue to be like, yeah, I'm a fucking asshole and, uh, deal with it, bitch. Cause you know, if you hurt like- your feelings, then, That's then the character, though. Like, everyone's got the I have a right to not be offended mentality. I feel like that personality is the counter to, you know what, I'm me, so fuck you mentality. Like, yeah, I feel exactly. like that's just the natural counterpoint. Like, if someone's gone to that one extreme, the other extreme's coming out, too. They're yeah. just like, you know what, it's, it's, time, not it's, a time license. To, it's time to go. Yeah. It's not a license to be a cunt, basically. You can't, you can't take it so far as to just turn into a, a complete asshole. But, um... The, my more, uh, the philosophy that, that I, that has become more and more important to me over the last, I'd say 10 years has been, um, has been looking at life, uh, simplifying things. There's a lot of talk in, uh, I mean, f- uh, this itself is, is, is kind of, in, you know, a philosophy obviously, but in philosophy, uh, in terms of how one lives one's life and, and how one makes decisions and, and, and where one puts importance and so on and so forth. Uh, all those things lead to these super gray areas, right? Where people will say almost everything in life is on a spectrum and you have to, you know, you decisions and, and events and things fall on this spectrum and that invi- invites gray areas. And, uh, I have a slightly different take on that. Uh, and, and that is, I look at life more binary than most people probably do. I look at life as a whole shitload of yes, no questions, uh, on, off oh, switch. Binary. Yeah, I can see that being, you're a very binary person. And, uh, uh, and that's how I, I try and go through life. And, and I changed that, uh, changed it a bit because, uh, because bef- for the longest time I didn't think that way. Um, and what happened was before I, uh, I made that switch is I was, 
uh, far more indecisive. And I would get incredibly anxious and, and worked up about, about decisions, uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't make a choice. Uh, I, cause what I would do would be, it's like you, I'm an inf- I'm an information gatherer. I go out and about any given thing and I just bombard myself with, with information about any given topic that I need to make a decision based on. And then I try and make an, a, what people would call an informed decision you know, my level of informed decision is probably or- orders of magnitude larger in terms of information gathering than other people would. Uh, and so I would get myself caught in this thing where I'd have too much information from both sides and I wouldn't be able to just make a fucking decision. And until I made, uh, I made the, the switch in, in my mind and said, look, at the end of the day, uh, whether the outcome is positive or negative, regardless of what happens in life, Everything is just, it It might seem like it's complicated. There's a lot of shit going on uh, in the periphery, but at the end of the day, you're either saying yes or no to a question. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. There is, it's like you, some Yoda shit. The do it's or the do, do not. or do not. There is no try, uh, which, you know, is cheesy, but it's true. It plays into this kind of philosophy. Um, and and it relieved a lot of stress off of me. It would, it would, um, it helped me process shit just happening in life. So like if something negative were to happen, uh, to frame how this would go down, like if some, like last year was a shit, a shit year for me. House got broken into, everything got fucked up. My car died. I had to spend a fucking fortune on everything. I lost all of the money that I had saved up over the last, uh, you know, eight years. My account went down to, to a couple hundred bucks and that was the entire show down from like, uh, 30 something grand I was saving up for a down payment on a house that all evaporated in the course of a very short window of time. And throughout that, with those events happening at each juncture, and then looking at that as a whole year, you have a couple of options in those cases. You sit down and, and you get really fucking angry about it and you, and you dwell on it for long periods of time and you get next to nothing done. Uh, or so that's one choice. Your second choice is you accept the fact that it's happened. You don't really have control over the f- over anything that's already happened. You're not a fucking time lord. You can't fucking <laughs> just turn back the clock and go and go, you know, do something to change it. So you have to make the decision at at some point, do I stay angry and un- be unproductive or do I do I accept that it's happened and move on and just fucking continue on? And that can be a very difficult thing for people to do because some of the knee-jerk reactions to that when I've explained this to people is, well, it just sounds like you're saying I'm not allowed to be angry. You're, you're just saying that I'm not allowed to be sad. <laughs> the, it's the uh, worst and, thing and when someone not, tells me, let it go. You know, you just need to learn yeah, to let it go. That's, that's not what I'm saying. You're totally allowed yeah. to still have those emotions. The, the, the decision whether is, you let it govern do you your allow them to, to completely govern what you're doing? So, it, so when I took that on and looked at life more binary, then all of a sudden things got way fucking easier. I would just, I just, you know, do my information search. For example, if it was a decision in that neighborhood and just fucking pull a trigger. And if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. I made the decision. I move on my fucking life so I can keep doing something else. If something shit or positive happens in life, great. It's the same thing. It always comes down. That's really to hard for and, me to you know, do. <laughs> and, and it's hard for a lot of people to do. And it's, it's, it, it's beginning, it, it becomes more difficult to do because we're constantly bombarded with information from every fucking corner of the earth. 
And so it's harder to just make uh, decisions, whether that's an emotional decision or a technical decision uh, or, or whatever. So um, it took me years to fucking get around it. And the thing that, the thing that triggered it was when I was in university and uh, uh, that one, uh, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but there is that one it was, I took, it was like a bird course. It was a religious studies. It was a, a first year religious studies course that it was a filler course for me because I had nothing else that I could take. And uh, I, I went in and it was all essays and that was it. And you, and you studied various religions and you'd write an essay on, on every single one of them, basically. And the last essay that happened, uh, I was horribly sick. A 103 degree fever. I was fucked up. I was, in the, I was in bed and I emailed my prof. My paper was done, but I couldn't physically hand it into him. And he was a prof that would not take electronic copies. Refused them. And so I said, you know, I can't get it to you during class. Can I get it to you later if I feel better in the day? Can I drive in later? I wasn't about to drive a car with a 103 degree fever for a fucking paper. That's just dumb. So he said, yeah, absolutely. Come drop it uh, off at my office. I did that. The door was closed. I put it underneath the door. I emailed and told him it was there. He said, oops, too bad. I'm already gone home now. It's the end of the year and I live out, you know, in the valley and, uh, yeah, it's a shame because you would have had an A minus and now you're going to probably get a B minus. I was like, well, can I just send you this, this paper, uh, via email? And he said, no, you, you know, I don't take that. Uh, I don't, I don't take electronic copies. And I was like, well, this seems to be a kind of a, a special case here. <laughs> you know, this was like, I, I'm not going to risk my life for that shit. So like, could we just, and he, and he refused and it, and it took my GPA all the way down to 3.67, which was the line for me to keep my scholarship. That was the point I needed to maintain 3.67 and I landed exactly on 3.67. And so I was okay with that at the time until the end of my university career. My goals were to make the Dean's list every single year and to graduate magna cum laude. The last year comes up, all of my scores come in. I had two semesters with almost complete A plus or A's on every fucking course. I was like, this is it. This is my chance. It comes in. I'm at 3.84. Magna is 3.85. And you yeah. know why? <laughs> oh my God. Because of the that fucking course from that one goddamn asshole. And it was a goal that was stolen from me for the dumbest. Po- it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. So it made it even worse. And I had the hardest time letting that shit go until my dad came in because it was weeks after I had graduated and I was brooding in my fucking bedroom. I was ready. I wanted to kill the guy. I was angry as fuck because it was a goal, like a fucking massive goal. Four years busted my ass. And of all the things for that to happen, that's what happens. My dad just came in and he laid that shit on me. And he was like, look, dude, it's on water on the bridge. You have to learn now that shit's going to happen and you have to be able to look at it as a decision of whether or not you're going to let it control how you you know, move forward, uh, from that point on. And from that day forward, binary fucking for life, just <laughs> yes, no questions. And let me tell you, when you get there, it feels fucking awesome. Cause you, you, you give way less fucks. Like you still get emotional and you still get oh, angry yeah. and you get ha- like all that stuff. You're sad, but it's, it's to, it's the, 
It's being free to just say fuck it and keep moving. That's the that's the the binary aspect of it. So what happened with me? What happened ten years ago when that incident happened? It like shook my foundation. So I spent those years kind of again. My whole information gathering thing is not like oh I just read information. It's like literally from everything from like interactions with people, body language. All this information comes in, and it's a system. It's a very complicated system of buckets and filters and like. All crazy whatever. You can probably draw a circuit diagram of how all the stuff goes through it. So I had built up that system of understanding and processing things over like five, six years. Um, so and, you know, that included like, you know, my relationship. Like, and it was like it wasn't like just for decisions. It was like all encompassing. Mm. Like it determined mm. how friendly I was to certain people. It determined, you know, like all of that, you know, like I it, it, it was like stack rankings of like friendships and all this other stuff based on, you know, my interactions with them. And everyone kind of had like a rolling score, you know, events for everything. <laughs> It was like a 10,000 to negative 10,000 scale. Negative 10,000, you're dead to me. Um, 10,000, you're like, you know. All, all, you know negative 10,000 sounds like you've gone awfully far down the rabbit hole. That's, uh, that's pretty rough. <laughs> exactly. There's, again, it was just like and all of this stuff. And like based on that, everything kind of had a place in the system. And that system worked really well for a very long time. And, you know. As you know, as it went on again, like I've had systems for dealing with things and that's generally how I kept things mostly stable. There were a couple of periods where things kind of went off the rails, but for the most part, it governed and it worked well. And then again, a couple of months ago, you know, I had, you know, it wasn't nearly as a bad event, whatever. It's just, I had a long period of events and not just from one area kind of going and effectively my filters and buckets were all ever so slightly off or skewed and, you know, things went into places, whatever. And when I got to the decision, like it, there came, you know, you have the, again, Dr. Who reference here, there are fixed points in time or fixed events that happen that are like kind of defining moments. And mm. I had one of those kind of moments, not again, not anything super serious in the long run, but I had one of those moments and it went completely opposite of you know everything i had been working towards for like years on various fronts and for me mm. that was like how did i it kind of like it's like is the entire system that you know i've been like putting together for years wrong or is it something i need to adjust so like for me it's been a couple of months of like going up and down being like no i it was correct no it was wrong no it's completely wrong oh god what do i do now type of mentality so it's been like that kind of going back and forth so for like i get your mentality of like you know having that whole binary thing for me i'm like i had this huge system do i throw the entire thing out and like you know redefine yeah, or do yeah. i like try to try to fix that system so you know i this like how do i go about readjusting around you know because effectively when that went completely the opposite way. It like, I was just like, I've made a lot of decisions around this and now I need to completely be like, okay, let's readjust. How do we do this? So that's kind of what like mm. that's regoverning my philosophy. Like that's why it's a hard question to answer. It's like, I have a general life philosophy, but I think it might be wrong now. How do I fix it? Type of thing. <laughs> so it's like when I saw well, that everyone, question, I was like, I hope they don't ask that. <laughs> every, everyone has to have like some sort of like, yeah, you know, uh, differing thing, right? So it's 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 fair fair that there's a uh, 
a, a rollover every now and then. Everybody everybody has different points in their life where they they look at life differently because of what happens. It's just kind of the way mm-hmm. the way it goes. Very few people get to cra- you know grab onto a life philosophy early on and then have it never friggin' change uh, throughout their entire adult life. So that's that's pretty pretty rare. Uh, let's wrap this up with uh, a game related question. Ooh. Um, since we've, since we've uh, avoided, uh, being able to talk too much about that stuff in the second half here, uh, is there a, this is from, uh, Zerigo, is there a game style or world that you've always wanted to play, but never had the chance, whether because it doesn't exist or for other reasons? Example, I've never gotten to play a platformer based on clowns. What's with the, th- what's with the clown, clown theme today? today? Clowns everywhere. So what? Mm. Any, anything you can think of, like any any game, like any world or or style of game that you've you've not got to experience for any reason, whether it doesn't exist or otherwise. This is gonna sound really stupid, but I, I'm like Star Citizen as it was originally pitched. I know the Star Citizen we're gonna get is not necessarily going to be that game. But that is the exact genre of game that I want. You are the you are a person in a space combat sim. You've got your ships, you've got your missions, you mm-hmm. get in, you do your stuff. I like that's the type of game I want. Star Citizen might not be that game, but what they've been trying to sell is is that mark, I would say for me. Um I have I have two completely different things I'm gonna, uh, that I'm, I'm going to go with here. Um, one is well, I have, I have three, I guess. One is space exploration. I don't necessarily need Star Citizen as it is. I don't need yeah. an economy. I don't need anything like that. That's why No Man's Sky was no so Man's Sky. intriguing to me. Uh, unfortunately didn't deliver, uh, on, <laughs> on a lot of it, but that kind of concept, you know, I'm an expert, I'd much rather just explore things, you know, maybe there's some light combat or whatever. I don't need it. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I would, uh, I would most in, uh, enjoy in that space. I would also like th- here we go to a totally different location, you know, and there've been bits and pieces of this, but it hasn't been completely done is this is the, and this is the most this is the dumbest, most like gamer answer for this ever is I want a golf game that actually resembles going to the fucking golf course. I want to, (laughs) I want to walk or use the the golf cart between holes. I want to experience (laughs) the golf course. I don't want to just have a pre-baked, you know, being in the rough of the fairway and only seeing that. I want to just walk the damn course. I feel like we have the technology at this point. If we have open you world games, you want a games, VR golf game where you walk the course and you do all that jazz before you start golfing. I don't even, I don't even need VR. I just want to be able to to just walk around the fucking golf course. Like that's that's what I I would love to have. Um, Can't you go to so an that would be that would be kind of neat. Well, I mean, I I do golf, yes, but in in seeing how I live in the middle of nowhere that snows for six months of the year, it's difficult to keep up with the other six months of the years. Yeah, the other six months of the year, you only have like three to four months of actual good golf, and the rest of it, you're just telling yourself 
that there's good golf to be had, but in reality, nobody would be stupid enough if they didn't live here. So, um, I, I w- I've always wanted to have that kind of experience. And then the last one I've already mentioned uh, a million times, and I'll keep mentioning it until it exists, is I have not been able to have a uh, a proper and good, and sometime it will happen, whether it's VR or AR or some form of... But uh, the puzzle adventure genre is, I think, one of the best genres in gaming, and it's <laughs> and it will shine best when virtual reality and and or AR peak, whatever form that takes, uh, whether it's a holodeck or otherwise, uh, that's the that's you know where where that kind of uh, game shines. Obviously, VR is a very good substitute for where we are right now. Uh, the second versions of whatever VR exists right now are probably going to be when I might be interested in VR. Right now, I couldn't care less uh, if I tried, but uh, I, I just want that because puzzle adventure in VR and having these things, you know, we we have the, the <laughs> handheld stuff and to be able to just use your hand and then turn something or pull a lever or do whatever and see that in the game and solve puzzles that way, that just seems fucking awesome. So yeah, just twist the nipples. Uh, just, you know, it's a Colin mockery. Whenever he had to turn the heat up in the shower, he would just go over to the woman and just fucking turn the nipples every single time. That's what I want to do in VR, man. That's all, that's all, all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Do you have anything else other than star citizen that you can think of? No, like I, the moment I saw that, I'm like, no, this is like, this is one of those, this is one of those defining moments in time where you know what the answer is. That was it for me right there. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else. Oh, here's something. This is very specific to me. I want to have a full-blown racing simulator, like, chair, like, you know, shell, uh, where I can actually get my legs underneath the steering wheel so I can learn to drive manual, because I physically cannot do that shit in reality. So if I could get a custom-made housing so that my legs can go underneath the steering so, wheel so and I can for learn For those of to... you that don't know on the podcast, um, Adam driving in an SUV is like me trying to drive in a Mini. Like <laughs> the, It's like a clown car where the knees are on both sides of the wheel, the chair is like pulled back, yep. and he's just like, yep, yep this is my life. That's that's it, and that's every car. The only car I've ever sat in where my knees go underneath the steering wheel was a like Model two thousand seven, two thousand and eight Toyota Tacoma. Every like other vehicle I've ever you need like sat a Humvee in. or something. No, dude, I sat in a Ford Excursion. Just because the car is big doesn't mean the cabin space is utilized well. I sat in a Ford Excursion, <laughs> and it was smaller for me than the Toyota Yaris that we eventually bought as a family uh, well, that I drove for years. In that car's defense, I don't think they were expecting to find someone who's like 75% leg. Yeah, like, see, that's, that's you're the just problem. Not, you're just oddly proportioned. That's, that's it. So it's, it's, not that I, I, it's not that I don't understand how to drive manual or anything like that. I'm physically limited. I could do it, but nobody would want to be in the car because it would be dangerous as fuck. Somebody would die... Because my knees are on the like on the sides of the steering Trying wheel, to pop the and clutch, I'd be like, leg into the behind head. Yeah, no, that's just it's not not a safe, it's an unsafe thing to happen. So that would be that would be uh, that would be something else. But uh, but yeah, do you have anything else to add to that, or are you you're good there? No, I actually have a movie I need to get to in about twenty five minutes. 
Oh, well, good news. We're done then, son. We wrap it up right now. I'm going to make it we right in We can wrap time. it up. What I movie got the are you watching? Th- I'm going to get Wonder Woman done. They have a 1210 showing. I'm ah. just going to go watch it. I got the theater all to myself. I don't know That's why. I just saw 1210. Idea. I'm like, let's do that. I got a homecoming tomorrow. So. Oh, there Spider-Man you go. Spider-Man homecoming Beautiful. tomorrow. So I'm like, let's get that out of the way. Well then, uh, we will we will we will get out of your way so that you can go <laughs> on and uh, and do what we uh, what you need to do. I'm going to go and probably just edit this podcast, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for uh, for those of you who uh, got here on Twitch and watched. I know it was probably not particularly fun to find it here because throughout this entire stream, uh, Twitch has labeled us as offline for about a good quarter of it. Um, uh, because Twitch is, is never broken and it is master race. Um, I also want to thank, of course, everybody that's been listening to this on uh, iTunes and Google, uh, play music and everywhere else in the RSS feeds. We love uh, you. we, we do, we love you. You, you're amazing. And, uh, the growth continues to be there. And so keep, uh, keep that up. Really do appreciate those on YouTube. Thank you so much as well. Uh, big thanks to those who have been, uh, remaining positive, in their constructive criticism, if if anything, on YouTube, uh, because it's always nice to see that versus just rampant craziness. Uh, and uh, it also means a lot to us on YouTube because, like everyone else, our views have gone down by about 40 to 50% because of YouTube's new algorithm. And so as we just watch the 0.5% of YouTube go into the stratosphere and everybody else is left on Earth to die, <laughs> we do appreciate those that stop by Final on YouTube. Countdown. As always... All we ask is that you uh, maybe tell one uh, one or two other people about the podcast if you think they'd dig it. Uh, once again, you can watch us live at twitch.tv slash technicalalpha. You can find out more information at uh, technicalalpha.audio or on uh, Patreon where you can support us more directly, patreon.com slash technicalalpha. Thank you guys so much once again. We will see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And until then, peace! Peace!